women are always talked about as gossiping. These mm. men are gossiping way as much as women. I mean, how about that gym scene? I thought that was so comical. Oh, I loved the gym scene. Like they yes. go from one exercise to another. Like they're gossiping on the spin bike. They're gossiping on the rowing machine. They're gossiping with lifting weights. And I, <laughs> I did think, you know what, men, because I do this too. We gossip all the time, but it's always centered around activities. And maybe it's because where we gossip is um, centered on, um, I don't know, centered on um, activities that are outside of the house. Like women, when they're gossiping, it's at brunch or they're having mm. coffee. Like, is that yeah. the distinction of what we say is gossiping is where it takes place? Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room episode ad free? Head on over to our Patreon, where you will get this episode and all of our episodes ad-free. And you can see our video episode, including this one right now, where you'll see my beautiful face and the guest's beautiful face. Who doesn't love that? And I am so excited to announce that all of you can get a one-week free trial on our Patreon. Join the ITBR professor level and you unlock all of Mary's True Crime and Academia Patreon episodes, our rewatch show, including Queer as Folk and Smash. You can even listen to us dissect Scream and The Exorcist. And I heard, rumor has it, that we have an upcoming Britney Spears episode, a Fall of the House of Usher episode, and yes, even a Saltburn episode, which is going to be quite riveting. So head to patreon.com backslash ivory tower boiler room, join the one week free trial and see what you're missing out on. And while you're at it, please follow us on Instagram and TikTok at ivory tower boiler room, rate, follow and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Thanks so much. And I hope that you enjoy all of our ivory tower boiler room episodes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Rewatches Queer as Folk. I am joined here with a very special pop culture broadcast analyst, expert, randomly, RonnieJr.com is his website. But Ronnie, <laughs> welcome to our Queer as Folk episode eight, which was mm. really riveting, in my opinion. Um, so when did you, this is the question I ask everyone who joins me on this uh, series. When did you first know about Queer as Folk? Um, you know, I was born in 80. So I was like a teenager when the show was out. Um, I mean, saying this is like been said 2000 times by 2000 people. Um, you would watch the show in your teen years, late teen years, you know, you're in high school, you would have a complete 
ownership of who you were, you know, in terms of like, you know, because this is, this is the nineties, you know, um, and you would, you would be who you were, but there was just this one portion of you that never got really, uh, able to really look within. So you would go to this show that you heard of, you know, and you're like, it's on Showtime, you know, you're like, what is this show? And then the challenging thing is it was so in your face, which looking at it now as a being over 40 years old, it's like that was actually a good thing. You know, that that break of comfort was actually really good. Um, but, yeah, I would say that I got it. I got insp uh, not inspired. I got uh, connected to the show just by watching it like everyone did with the, you know, with the mute button ready, with the channel back on the remote control ready to go um, and just trying to peek in. And then also understanding or or like asking questions like, oh, you know, this represents this group of characters. But like, where do you fit in with that? You know what I mean? Um, and try not to be so judgmental. But yeah, it came at a time where, you know, like I said, born in 1980. So I'm literally turning 16 years old, getting a driver's license, you know, you know, kissing a girl for the first time, you know, um, going to prom, you know, so that is when. This show is a show that I would take peeks at. Um, never fully watched the series until later in life, you know, um, mm -hmm. but I've watched it enough when it aired. Yeah. So how long had it been when I had you watch episode eight? How long had it been since you had seen that episode? Um, it had been a very long time. I did go back and sporadically watch some of the newer, um, sorry, some of the, this, this series, the Showtime series, you know, which of course was the adaptation to begin with, but I went back and watched it when the Peacock streaming had another like reboot of, of sorts. So I yeah. sort of, when I was watching that one, which I don't think that got its fair share in, in, uh, or a chance rather to win, I would have liked to see a second season. I think they were onto something. Uh, but when that excitement of the new modern version of it, I guess would be the third version of it, that's mm -hmm. when I would kind of go back. So that was what, maybe three years ago. But no, when you decided to unpack these stories, I was like, uh, it had been a, it had been more than two years. And watching this particular episode threw me for a loop. Like I'm so, in, in a lot of the work I do, I get to be very confident because really it's just like pop culture, fun conversations, communicating, creating a laugh. My dream job has always been to be a talk show host, you know? But then I got to tell you, I think I told you prior to us recording, it's like I could watch every episode and be totally chill. Oh, this is amusing. This is entertainment. But I was shaken a little bit knowing that we were going to come back we would watch the show and then talk about it because those emotions cut really really deep i don't know it was it was it was worth the while and i'm glad that you decided to take this on because i actually was i've not said this in the in the vein of broadcast in such a long time i was actually nervous af to record with you yeah well i'm glad you're here and <laughs> you have no reason to be nervous in the seat across from me in the uh, virtual mm. space. But <laughs> just for everyone out there, um, episode eight is called Bamal Babylon Boomerang. Uh, and it was uh, directed by Steve DeMarco, um, written by Richard Kramer. And that's something else, Ronnie. Like, I'm as I'm reading through all these episodes, there's a lot of writers. Like, mm -hmm at least a team of so far there's been probably four different men 
So that's unusual. Well, not always unusual, but I think it is interesting to see mm -hmm. um, how they're all collaborating. And there's always a different director. Um, so it came out February 4th, 2001. Um, and it says here, Justin's father oh. attacks. Yeah. So the show came out in two. See, I'm equating everything to like being late 90s, but I guess it's a little further away. Oh, how interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it's 2001. Um, so Justin's father, I mean, late 90s is Sex in the City um, mm. when that premieres. But Sex in the City is still ongoing um, here. So Justin's father attacks Brian outside Babylon. Michael gets a promotion at work. Justin moves in with Brian. That's our description. So <laughs> right away, I have to ask you, the opening sequence is really riveting in my opinion since not michael's promotion storyline right away oh but, gosh yeah um which we can get into it's one of my now i haven't really had um a yawn storyline but that's starting to become uh one that i just want to pass over but wait michael and how his boss tracy oh you the girl Yes. Yes. You're, so what what can I just ask one question? Why? Why is the story a yawn? Yeah, well, a yawn in the sense of how dragged out, um, not that the pressure he feels to be straight in the workplace, because that's mm. really relatable at that mm. time. I'm saying more of a yawn in the sense of um with everything else that's so action-packed, it just feels mm. that they're trying to find a space for Michael to be, um, they're trying to find his arc. So I think that we can already see that it's a recipe for disaster. Like he's closeted at work, he's yeah. going to get this promotion, and then when they find out he's gay, it's going to be taken away from him. Like, I mean, <laughs> even though I haven't yet watch that unfold it just mm -hmm. you can see the setup i gotta say uh i howled when uh emmett said <laughs> so he said you want to bring your lady do straight men say that i was <laughs> emmett is just like one of those characters that when we all watched the show years ago we may have felt certain ways of emmett and then as we've all gotten older and his life's changed and evolved I mean, his one-liners are just so, so good. And, of course, the actor uh, himself and all the stuff that he's done with his career is just so impressive. So to go watch that time in life and such a silly comment, I was just – I was cracking up. Do straight men really say that? Hey, uh, Michael, why don't you go bring your lady? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? But I do have to say, um, like, even though I might have been unfair to say a yawn, I do think it is important – in the sense, like you're having me reflect on this, Ronnie, which is it is important with the straight community. Um, I feel like the straight community is really caricatured, which is mm. interesting because usually we see the gay community caricatured, mm. but instead they're flipping it on its head and the gay community and the queer community has more layers and emotional depth. And the straight community is kind of painted with a broad brush. Like, oh, do you call her a foxy? Do you still say she's a foxy lady, Michael? Or what? Like, that is so interesting. Say? You're right about that. Yeah. And I don't even know if that was by design, but it is actually kind of the way we see the interaction in the world. The, I mean, the even though Michael wasn't 
out the naive energy that that girl was like oh my gosh this means something it's like honey read the room you know like come on yeah. you know well first so, of all he barely kisses her i mean i'm just it's like the steps are not the flirtation yeah. is not there for you tracy i yeah. yeah, I, I mean, and think... also you don't want to negate women have went through that for, you know, guys, yeah. you know, ourselves like we've, you know, uh, you know, we've <laughs> we've dated women, went to prom, did all these things as you were sort of at a different stage in your life. This one's a little different because it is the basis of a career um, goal that he has. Um, so you're not saying it's like a yawn, the actual issue. You're just like it took no. a while to get there. Yeah, it's getting it's taking a while to get there. Um yeah. But it could also just be, I do think if it was intentional to show the stray community in such comical ways mm. of almost as if they're doing um, Monty Python slapstick uh, <laughs> comedy, like it does feel yeah. very slapstick. Anytime we're at that Q-mart, it's always um, hyper-exaggerated. Like just yeah. they, they, the straight people in the show seem so naive. Like yeah. as if they've never had sex, even like, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> right, um, right. But I will get to the other straight mm. characters, which are uh, Justin's mom and father, which I actually think is one of the most um, intriguing. I thought in this episode, what's yeah. happening between them. Um, but yeah. Okay. So Justin's father, he um, finds Brian outside of Babylon. And how did you feel like right away in this episode? we get Justin's father attacking Brian. Um, the comical side would be like, well, was Justin's father at the bar as well? No. Um, yeah. um, I mean, it sucks. It sucks. And it's a little bit of like, you know, when you have that misguided, I'm just doing this terrible thing to protect my son. You know, that's the hardest. Like I said, watching it as entertainment was no problem. When I thought, oh, gosh, we're going to come and now recap it and really, like, dig deep a little bit. Then I was like, oh, this is actually really it's why the, the material is so wonderful, because I felt so bad. You know, I felt so bad that, you know, it accelerated a lot of things. It's like that thing. It's like, you know, you create these really awful situations and awful spaces where, like, Justin doesn't know where to go, what to do. He's, you know, he's still dealing with his own regular life, you know. Uh, as a young adult and then at the same token you know everything is accelerated and you have to now make moves I mean when Brian goes well where are you going he's like I'll find somewhere to go I mean that just is so relatable to so many people where they've had to figure it out you know so on one hand you could judge all you want in terms of if you're uh Brian uh Justin's father this life is going to create this it's going to create that it's going to create this well a lot of it on the hands of you <laughs> you know it's like oh you don't want to live this lifestyle it's like well half of the the dealings and the real challenge are, are coming from you so um yeah i mean that's why we had that great counterbalance with the mother you know that was wonderful yeah well and i think that do you really feel that in his gut justin's father really does think he's protecting justin or does he is he just lashing out with homophobia and using that as an excuse? Like, you're my son, I'm protecting you. Because we do get a later scene with Justin's father and him confronting Brian, not physically attacking him, but then yeah. like him not even wanting Brian to be in his presence. And he doesn't right. even want to 
accept Justin as being gay. Like, it's not even about Brian, right? Because you thought, oh, it's just because Brian might be seen as a predator with his age. And then you realize, oh, no, the father just doesn't want any aspect of Justin to be gay under his roof. Well, yeah, he was like, you're going to these are the rules that we have here. And, you know, Brian's conversation was quite valuable. It's like, okay, so he's going to be here and not be himself whatsoever. I mean, that was really tough to watch, you know, but yeah, no, to your question. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this, this could make you cringe to this day when you have a thing where you can almost like you could sleep at night, you know, Justin's father, he could sleep at night because he's like, well, I'm doing it on the basis of protecting my son. No, you're not, but you know what I'm saying? No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. Like, that irks me to no end, you know, when you're able to put something out there as I'm doing this for a noble reason. I think, you know, Justin's father just needs to understand what the root of his of his pain is. You know what I mean? And also, you know, in terms of if we were going to give Justin's dad grace, it's like that concept you hear all the time. It's taken you know, the, the Justin, Brian, Michael, Ted, Emmett, it's taken everybody their own um, time frame to adjust, to learn, to, you know, to, to be them, their full selves. So, I mean, yes, I understand that it was going to take, you can't just like overnight expect the dad to understand everything, but yeah, using that as a, as an excuse is a kind of like a crock. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and thank God we have Jennifer because how she's starting to connect to Justin and that um, like you can see, she sees her husband as monstrous, like what he Mm -hmm. did to Brian. Um, You know, she doesn't agree with Brian being with her son, but she also doesn't want her son to be further pained. Like she actually wants her son to have a connection. Um, to her, to the family. Uh, so do you think that this is setting up just a splitting in their relationship? Like, can she actually still be married to a man who doesn't want to see her son happy and fully support her son? That's a challenging question because the scene with her at Brian's office, oh my gosh, uh, seeing Brian be so like dismissive was like, such his character I, I i definitely did enjoy that for some reason like what are you doing in my presence is kind of like what he gave her but in terms of her i think what's interesting is it made me think this and maybe i'm off base but it made me think sometimes when there is you know there's the two parents and one becomes obviously the father was the villain and so somewhat the mother kind of skates by as like you know not really being that uh that person But there are still some issues that she has. You know, I think when she was talking to Brian, I think a lot of it was, yes, nurturing. Like, I want at the very least for him to be safe in all these things. And I love him and tell him that we care and all these things. But I think there was also a little bit of a struggle that a mother goes through when they're when they're um, when they have a young adult and they're becoming a grown up. And this again, this it shouldn't be. But this aspect of his sexuality accelerated even the way she has to like let him go be 
you know, his own self. And it kind of was like a, a, a bigger reality. You know, if she had a straight son, she might, you know, she can do all the things, the status quo, you know, the white picket fence, the two dog, you know, uh, two kids, a dog, uh, what is it? One car garage, whatever they say is what you should have. She's already going to have a, um, separation anxiety. So oh, yeah, I there's like, going to be growing pains. I mean, yeah. So I feel like there was like a, a little bit of, there was a little bit of it where, where she, um, I don't know, like kind of, I think she also is just sad that her, you know, that, that he's going to go out into the world and she's scared and she's protective. So that separation anxiety is where a little bit of it came from too. So again, I'm not saying she's a villain by any means. I don't know why I equated the two, but it, it has more to do with just like her showing up for him. It's also like, you know, damn, you know, there's what, what, what will his life entail? I've prepared him for a life where I know for the most part, what it will entail. And now all my control is gone. And so seeing it in the vein of a mother, I'm not a parent, but my gosh, that's got to be hard, you know? Well, and I I agree. I think she is coming from, I want to um, protect and control situations. Like she wishes that she could orchestrate his environment and it's Mm -hmm. almost neurotic in a way, um, but good intentioned where the father is completely living in a fantasy and wants to force his son to almost go through conversion therapy. This father mm, says, Oh, I'll mm. send you to a military school as if a oh, military gosh. school will make you yeah. straight. And I like want to say to the father, do you know how many like gay men are at mil- <laughs> are in the military? Cause there's actually a large percent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the father, the father reflected back to that one time in Vietnam. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, it's like, it's just like, it's, it's their own personal thing of their experiences, times they've been around men that they didn't feel comfortable with. It's all of that. Yeah. Well, and the father is also operating from what I think uh, still fuels homophobic homophobia, which is, um, like equating it with gender ideology that you're not masculine enough, whatever that means to people. But, mm. you know, there are still people who think there are male roles and there are female roles. And I think mm. if you are, if you already adhere to a binary between men and women and what they do, that if you're thinking that there's some kind of traditionalism, then you're going to think that being gay is like, you didn't become a man, which. Oh, you know, and also I think the, sorry. Shit. Yeah, But also, yeah, I mean, I think the father, I made the joke a second ago, but I think the father, you know, reflecting in his life, all of the experiences that he, you know, he, he'd seen. But I think it's also like, for some reason, the father, like, thinks the world is looking at him like, mm-hmm. oh, you created this. That's really like that could have been added into the dialogue. Like that's I mean, obviously, it's not the show's not about the father, but that's really where a lot of it comes from. That he now is like, you've humiliated me. What did I do to create this? Why? You know what I mean? It's like it has nothing to do with you. Your your job as the father is to love on your child. That's it. The holiday season may be behind us, but guess what's lurking around the corner? Picture that little baby with a bow and arrow. Yes, Valentine's Day is almost here. And I'm thinking of what gift can I get that my boyfriend will absolutely love and gush over? Well, he is a horror movie fanatic, so 
I think I have just the thing that he'll die for. Pun intended. My good friend Mandy Bangle is the owner of Mandy Made It, a craft company where she specializes in crochet and cre-cut handmade gifts. So whether your partner is a horror movie fanatic, I'm sure that they have a TV show they love. Maybe there's a book that they love, a music artist, a sports team that they cheer for. Mandy has you covered from shirts, hats, beanie hats, which I love to wear at the gym, car decals, beer and coffee koozies, keychains, stuffed animals, signs that you want to put all over your apartment. She is ready to create any customized order. So head to Instagram right now, type in at Mandy made it. That's M A N D E E made it slide into her DMS. And she is ready to start working on your order. Just send her a few ideas. You could say, Hey, my boyfriend really loves horror movies or Hey, my boyfriend really loves the Broadway musical wicked. I'm sure she will figure out some concoction for you and say that you heard her ad on the ivory tower boiler room because she's going to give you an exclusive ITBR free gift. She's also working on a new line of ITBR merchandise. So I can't wait to share all of that information with you. Make sure you mention at ivory tower boiler room when your gift arrives from Mandy. So I can share it out on our Instagram. I hope you all enjoy your gifts. Are you a fan of LGBTQ plus books, plays, movies, TV shows? Well, then I have the magazine for you. It's called The Gay and Lesbian Review. The GNLR is a bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics that publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies. Each issue brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles, focused on a unifying theme, and it brings together the leading minds on the topic. So I just had on Dr. Richard Schneider Jr., the founder and editor-in-chief of the GNLR, for the GNLR's 30th anniversary. Happy birthday, GNLR. Dr. Richard Schneider talked about their special volume called Outer Appearances, More Faces from the Annals of the GNLR, illustrations by Charles Heffling. They cover current LGBTQ artists such as Harvey Firestein, Melissa Etheridge, Alan Cumming, James Whiteside, Alison Bechdel, and even David Sedaris, and of course, many others like Stephen Sondheim. There's even a supplemental issue that comes with your commemorative volume. And Andrew Halloran, the writer of Dancer from the Dance, he reviews a book called Morris about E.M. Farster's Morris, written by one of our ITBR guests, David Grevin. So we can't wait for you all to experience this beautiful 30th anniversary GNLR issue. Have you heard some of my GNLR interviews, including Dr. Andrew Lear's discussion about male-male love in ancient Greek society and Ignacio Darnad opening and blasting the closet door in the queer male art world? Well, Definitely make sure you listen to them after this episode. Head to glreview.org. Make sure you subscribe to their magazine. You'll see there's a section that says subscribe at the top. Enter the promo code ITBR50. That's ITBR50 to receive 50% off. 50% off. 
any print or digital subscription. Enjoy your reading. Exactly, exactly. To shade, to advise, but definitely not to make life harder for them. Well, and I feel that where Jen is, the tension between Justin's parents is also how much does she feel that she can speak out against her husband? Like, that's where the traditionalism is coming. Like, is he as the husband in charge of the final say, or do I have a voice? And I think we're seeing her go through a transformation right now, not just about sexuality, but with her independence as a Mm. woman. Like, I think she was operating more in terms of this is what a mom does. And then she's thinking, but wait, you know, maybe I'm not fully supported in this relationship. True. Um, you know, it's I see it all the time. I mean, <laughs> we right. We see it in culture all the time where um, women are forced to or they're like said. um there's an expectation, um, more so in straight coupling, I would say, but that, you know, they could stay at home because then they don't have to work. And then the the husband will provide all the money and then give her an allowance. And I'm thinking you're already setting her up to be dependent on you. And some men really thrive. Like Justin's father, I think, thrives on knowing that she depends on him for Mm. her money and support. I think um, that was a tradition from yesteryear that a lot of men weren't very comfortable with seeing the change, but the change and allowing for independence was valuable for women. You know, um, you know, a lot of men got away with a lot of things in the day <laughs> because of yeah. that, because of that structure. Yeah. Well, and like I always say, there's nothing, I never want to pass judgment on a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home father, whoever wants to stay at home. But I also think if you're coercing your partner to not like use their education or work or, you know, when you start to isolate them from their friends and their community, those are clear warning signs and a red flag of manipulation. Um, And again, we don't know enough of the mom's uh, community, like, I don't know who her friends are. Like, I don't, we're not really in. I do think, though, she definitely is starting to align herself um, with Michael's mom, not in this episode, but like she's had conversations with Michael's mom. Uh, I think she's actually starting to come out too, but coming out in terms of independence. Like, I'm. Oh, I I'm love e- that. Yes. I'm eager to see where Jen goes in the narrative because I, I think love, she has a lot to achieve. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that. Cause yeah, I mean, really it is an experience for the person, you know, like I said, Brian, Ted, Emmett, Justin, Michael, everybody, but like really that experience is so much bigger than like just defining your sexuality or your gender or whatever. I, I feel like, yes, 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 yes. Like everyone could stand to go through an experience of coming out or coming into their own rather. And so I didn't even really add that into what I was kind of seeing watching it, but you are so right. And that's a, that's a, that is a beautiful comment. Yes. Well, and don't you also think that there's like when they say that not only a child or your child comes out 
um, mm, mm-hmm. when they're LGBTQ, but parents have to come out. And I think a lot of that is parents facing that their status quo they might have believed in doesn't exist. Like it's a it's a condition that society creates. Like you were saying, if you care about what the um, community is going to say to you and judge you for your child not being in the white picket fence fantasy, mm-hmm. that's a straight fantasy that has been created. It's not anything based in reality. It's yeah. you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. So yeah, <laughs> there was one too many Disney movies that made you feel like there's only certain ways to do things. And, you know, I think the thing to think about for people who have resistance to that or, you know, did in the past, it's like, you got to think about it like this. Like we have all of our goals throughout life and what you know far far away from even this topic like Mm -hmm. people unfortunately get sick people you know there's there's tragedy sometimes so as parents or as as people you know kind of loving on your family you adjust to those things why should this be any different is really the only thing that i think when i watch this show Mm -hmm. you adjust to everything you know what i mean there's so many things that we're never in the plan. You know, there's a, you know, some, so, you know, some kids are, you know, unfortunately they have moments where they are dependent on, on, on drug, drug or alcohol. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of support in those spaces. You just wish there was support in the world that just Justin is, is, is involved in at this moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think that, some a line that really stuck out to me was um when debbie they're in the liberty diner and she mm. says to justin that the reason that uh his father attacked brian is a they're not ready to accept that you're sucking cock <laughs> and taking it yes. up yes like okay um what's interesting to me though is do you think ronnie not necessarily about the cock in the ass but um, I, you, I think about those things. Yes. <laughs> do you think ahead. about it? Okay. Well, I'm glad <laughs> to know that. Um, you know, do you think though that in terms of being gay, there is that stereotype that, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about gay issues, people like to think of it. I mean, it goes back to when we talked about reality TV and when there's, you know, gay people highlighted especially gay men that a lot of the straight community thinks it's automatically they have to talk about sex and the bedroom but like my question is do you think about a straight couple and you know them tying each other up them you know being swingers them going on a cruise and all being naked like all of that exists Mm. in the straight community like are people imagining those scenarios are they imagining pegging like all of it yeah you know this is why i said this is not you know I have got years and years of broadcast experience, but this was a deeper thing. So to what you said about reality TV, I, don't, I guess I watch a lot of old uh, reality TV. I was just recently watching old real world Philadelphia and how uh, obviously it was so authentic. You know, Karamo's storyline was so authentic, but it was a not really by him, maybe a little bit by him because he was still sort of maybe coming into his own, although I think he was out for many years prior, but like the way the show itself and the characters or even the reunion host asked questions, they made it such a gigantic big deal about like how Willie 
was the effeminate gay man and Karamo was something like, like we've never seen this before and in fairness I guess we had not but also I didn't think Karamo really was all the way whatever was being portrayed just like I don't think Willie was all the way you know on this side of what was being portrayed um so that's just to, to the comment of what you were saying about like when we see the visualization or the the representation like what it used to look like um why did I bring all that up uh what were we talking about <laughs> well I think you were just talking about how um like I was saying that reality tv like when they put a gay person oh, on yes, reality yes, tv yes. that's Debbie. sex well, remember yes. Ramona Singer even questioned Andy Cohen, like when he was digging into her life on the reunion, she said, well, who do you sleep with? Do you remember that line? Oh, like yes, yes, yes. To mm -hmm. go into, well, should I talk about what you do in the bedroom, Andy? Oh, well, okay. So now, I, I mean, I, I brought that up just because you talked about reality TV and I do think that's, yeah, I mean, a little bit of is, is the lack of knowledge, you know, again, that I watched that real world Philadelphia and when I went back to watch it, I'm thinking like, oh my God, Karamo was so this and, and Willie was so that and come to look at it like, no, they were very much the, sa the same in a lot of ways, but you know, we, we were never really able to see that. So yes, people have a vision of what they think now. What I thought was fascinating, and I was going to ask you this regardless, so I'm glad this comes up, because um, we were, of course, talking about Queer's Folk. Um, but I remember loving, Do you did you like looking at all on HBO? Oh, I really liked looking. Mm -hmm. I know there was always the comparison. I feel like, can't there just be room for both, you know? But I remember really, really, really loving Patrick and Richie's, I think it's season one, episode five, which everyone talks about that show uh, that episode it, for the people that like the show and patrick was a little bit like all of us and he was very much you know when deb says oh you know they've got to just like you know face these realities patrick on on looking had said oh yeah you know i i you know my parents are going to be thinking this this and this you know some very vulgar language and richie goes well, you know, being gay doesn't have to do with like what you do in the bedroom. Like it's 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 more than that. So yeah, to so many ways we're shortchanged. Um, where that's the first thing that can be looked at. I don't want to say everyone. We're very evolved, you know. Now, uh, but yeah, it certainly is something that you. Um, I, I I'll say it like this: like when I I think when we all first come out, you you think of that a little bit more. You're very protective of all that. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you later on in life, you're like, who gives a damn how anyone really feels, but it's definitely in your mind in a way that it would never be for your straight counterparts. You know, you're, you're right. You're not doing all of the nastiness <laughs> and making it yeah. such a thing. Well, just, or just, I will say straight sex comes up in conversations very in a normalized way. Normalized. Exactly. That. Yeah, like, I mean, there was oh, a movie, Amer American Pie, and there was all all of the, you know, very, you know, going there type moments, but no one batted an eye whatsoever. Yeah. But you We're talk like, about people will say, oh, your teenage son, he's probably like jerking off to play uh, Playboy, you know, <laughs> that like it's just like, oh, Playboy, of course he would have those magazines or of yeah. course they're watching porn. Right. But yeah, um, like, I don't want to say. I'm just saying um, people aren't necessarily trying to dig deep, deep, deep into like 
every layer of what a straight couple does in the bedroom. Yeah. I think, again, yeah. I'm not saying, I think we should feel empowered sexually, but yeah. even me being an LGBTQ scholar, like, you know, I'm gay, Ronnie, but like investigating literature and culture from mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. perspective as LGBTQ issues, like there's been times when I was getting my PhD that I would have the question asked um, by those who are gay. It usually came from someone who was gay who would say, I'm gay, but I'm not really doing anything LGBTQ related. And I'm like, why do you have to uh, say that to me? Like, I'm, do you want a cookie? Like, I, I'm yeah, not what's sure. the point of that comment? I wonder what is or they would call is... me an activist. They'd be like, oh, you're an activist. That's why you study those topics. Mm. And I'm like, that's not what an active like an activist is someone, you know. Yes, I do consider myself speaking out for LGBTQ issues, but that's different than necessarily studying culture. Well, I also it feel was... like I've said this, like in many ways we're lucky <laughs> because mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have wanted to learn so many different aspects of the queer culture. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, this is so, in terms of the human experience and the richness of it all, like, you know, uh, well, it was a play of course, but then the normal heart, you know, mm -hmm. uh, boys in the band and the band played on um, Russell T Davies, you know, uh, yeah. the original queer folk, he had a, it's a sin, like uh, a fellow travelers Angels in America on, on Showtime. Yeah. Angels in America. I mean, it's like, I would have never maybe I would have maybe these these stories would have crossed, uh, cr you know, crossed my mind or whatever, or I would have been exposed to them. But I think they're brilliant. So for somebody to make it like because you're intrigued with that culture that you're somehow like making a fuss, I don't really think it is that I think it's really the human experience, you know, Um so that's interesting. That is well, interesting for it to be defined as like you're supporting or rocking out with like these types of this type of material. And it's like, no, it's just things that mean something to me, things that I see myself in. Yeah. Well, and to bring up another play, uh, The Inheritance by Matthew Lopez, which I saw on Broadway right before the pandemic. It was in two parts. Oh, right. And right. like the whole premise of the play is we need to look back to are queer forebears like E.M. Farster or even Oscar Wilde, um, mm -hmm. Virginia Woolf, like, um, you know, Marsha P. Johnson, like the Stonewall, yeah. how every how every movement has shaped where we are now. And I do think I will say there are queer people who want to learn the history. And there are those who I think have forms of internalized homophobia where they want to be quote unquote, normalized. They want to be as assimilated as possible. And I don't fault them because they could have unsupportive parents. I have very supportive parents, so I'm not in that camp. And I think we do see that with, I would say we even see that with our characters here. Like um, Emmett and Michael are totally different. I mean, yeah. even Brian, Brian is out in the workplace, but he's so frustrated that his friend Michael is closeted in the workplace so there are there is a lot of tension happening between them that is just so interesting because the emmett character is such like worthy of like a deep dive i don't think i'm the the, the 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 smartest person to attack that deep dive but at the same time like emmett was somebody that people and he is over the top and it is a bit of a caricature but at the same time is it and who gives a damn the fact that we i don't want to speak for anybody but a lot of people didn't necessarily support that character initially in its original run but now like for me i'm like live emmett go for it like i like i'm totally oh, yeah. oh peter page what, is amazing yeah, yeah i'm loving what 
what was brought to it. But we, um, yeah, we get in these spaces. I don't who is we in this case, but people get in these spaces where they're like, oh, yeah, like I'm not that though. Like I'm like, I'm again, you mentioned it assimilated. I'm assimilated to this. So like what you see there, that's what made the show so darn complex. I said it at the beginning, like you're like not getting a window into anything. You're getting a window into American Pie all day, every day. Um, biggest movie when I was right out of high school, but you're getting one window into this life and then it's so blunt and in your face, you have to make that decision. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not like, even if I'm like that, quote unquote, I'm not mm -hmm. like that. Well, and in many ways, that's what makes it fascinating. And let's take American Pie just as an example, because I think <laughs> it actually illustrates Justin's father's psyche in a way, mm -hmm. which is remember, I, you know, I think I was in elementary school when it came out, but mm -hmm. um, I've like seen it, you know, and <laughs> seen all the scene with the pie and like the masturbating. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting, though? how comical quote unquote that scene was with a straight character. Cause he was a virgin. Yeah. Um, could you imagine if that was a gay son who then was fucking a pie? Like, do you think people would have thought that was <laughs> comical then? Or do you think they would have thought he was a pervert? I gotta say you're good at your work. <laughs> Cause that just threw me, that threw me all the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I literally was that age. And when I think, when I think about those, those movies, um, like I'll talk with my straight brother and the term that I usually use is like, they were fine movies for the time, especially for me. Cause like while they were in high school, I was in high school, but, um, I always say they don't really like hold up anymore. You know what I mean? And that's not like they're uh, problematic or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying like, they made sense to me at a time that, you know, that was all that life could be, you know what I mean? You know, in high school, I, I would have never dared to really understand you know, that I would be out years later um, in my mid to late 20s. It took a little while. Um, so it's yeah, it's just it's just what acceptance is. And sometimes you when you're not fully confident, you don't want to challenge that acceptance. You want to get along, go along to get along. And so that's what you do. And that's why those movies were so comforting. And then I watched them with a different lens. I'm not mad at them or whatever. But yes, like you're just like, damn, I mean, obviously a terrible example, totally different kind of movie. But um, I loved Love, Victor. I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute. Yeah, I didn't go there and it wasn't like all it, it, it had a little bit of a happy ending or whatever the case it was all nice and, and tied up in a bow. But I just thought that was really cool for whoever was the same age that I was when American Pie came out or whatever it was for you. I thought that was amazing, you know? Well, we're getting a lot of teen gay redemptive arcs, like mm. Red, White, and Royal Blue. Like, we're getting the hyper-romanticized. Yeah. No, like, almost, almost, like, normalized. Yeah, yeah. Well, Which I think is... they want to show that there doesn't have to be a Brokeback Mountain tragedy. And I think for the <laughs> longest time, we were always getting the death of the character yeah, who was gay. Yeah. Or... um. You know, I really loved Call Me By Your Name. Like, I like the narrative. I think mm -hmm, it's so mm -hmm. interesting. The age difference is kind of similar with O'Brien and Justin. But there, the parents are really understanding, which is interesting. Um, but I do want to ask you, Ronnie, what do you think, even though we completely disagree with Justin's father's psyche and his approach and all of that, mm -hmm, do mm -hmm. you think there, there is an issue with A. Brian 
pursuing a 17 year old like justin or is justin completely in control oh no i mean yes there is there is issues with that for sure um yeah there are some issues with that for sure the one interesting thing maybe on the basis of i knew we were going to break down the show a little bit after you know i wasn't just watching for entertainment this time um you know the character of justin you know, we see it throughout the series. You know, we, of course, have all watched the series. We're going back and rewatching. But, like, those little moments, like, towards the end of the episode here, the human side that Je- uh, Brian starts to step into, and you could see it in terms of the actor, you're reading it in his eyes, in his compassion. So while there is a huge challenge <laughs> with what you just said, um, it's just so odd that like Brian is just so ruthless in this world and he'll run through them <laughs> like, you know, Monday through Friday, you know, yeah. through the weekend, no heart whatsoever. And the dynamic between the two gives you this sense of like, how did Brian get there? You know, how did wow. he, how did he lose his heart? You know, and some yeah. little ways, I don't know if it's Justin specific, but it allows Justin to have a little bit of allows Brian to be a little more human. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, um, I love Jen's line. I have to say, I think this episode has some of the most quotable lines. Cause I was like, right. Usually right, I'm right. writing down just, um, hard hitting moments, but like I was writing quotes. So I love when she goes to Brian's office and said, you seduced him, you fucked him. Like he's your responsibility. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, And, um, but it is, did he seduce Justin? I question that. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And when I'm not here on the podcast, I am consulting with Small businesses, undergraduate students, graduate students, podcasters, and those in media. So if you're curious about the work that I've done with my consultation services, you could just type me in on Google, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and you'll see a few reviews pop up. I've worked on college admission essays for undergraduate students. I've revamped and expanded a small business's social media marketing campaign right here in Port Jefferson, New York. And I've also worked on a graduate student's thesis for her physician assistant program. So if you want to seek me out or inquire about my consultation services, just email me. That's the easiest way to reach me at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. That's easy to remember. And tis the season for college admission essays, both undergraduate and graduate, thesis writing, dissertation writing. Um, Do you want to create a podcast and you don't know where to begin? Media work, um, how to open a TikTok, how to start creating videos on TikTok, what to do with your Instagram. All of that I have done. So just reach out to me. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm really excited to talk to you all about one of our ITBR sponsors, Broadview Press. Broadview Press is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. 
They publish mainly in English studies, writing, philosophy, and history. They are always publishing with an eye towards diversity, building a strong list of titles from women, people of color, and authors from other marginalized groups. If you haven't heard my Broadview Press interviews, you need to. Recently, I just had on Dr. Shannon Day, who talked about her book, Beyond the Binary, Thinking About Sex and Gender. And in the summer, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who gave us all a comprehensive history of what it means to be a philosopher who studies sporting culture. And of course, we went back to ancient Greek, literature, mythology, history, to look at the roots of athleticism. And last year, I had on Dr. Jeffrey Andrew Weinstock, who's actually going to be coming on the podcast soon to give his thoughts on the new Fall of the House of Usher Netflix series. He talked all about pop culture for beginners. And Broadview Press is offering an exclusive discount because of our sponsorship. So head to broadviewpress.com where you're going to see such a wide range of literature. Use the code Ivory Tower, I-V-O-R-Y-T-O-W-E-R for 20% off site-wide all of their books. Again, it's broadviewpress.com. Enjoy your reading. I am here in Port Jefferson, New York on Long Island in one of my favorite stores. It is the Soapbox NY, a Bath and Body Boutique. I'm here with one of the co-owners, Janine. Hi, Janine. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Thank you. Good. So I know you have many winter scents to walk us through. So let's yes. get started. This is from company Michelle Design Works, another one of our favorites. Room spray that you can use any room in your house, just kind of freshens up the room a bit. And what is this by Michelle Design Also Works? by Michelle Design Works is Winter Blooms, one of their new scents this holiday season. It's great. It's um, a hand wash. You can use it in your kitchen or your bathroom. And then here's As something to follow it up with. Exactly. It's a hand and body lotion. And then what is this beautiful decorative candle here? One of our favorites that we actually sell mm. all year round because it's so popular. This is the scent of Fraser Fur by Times. I think I'm becoming addicted to it. Yes. I think you are because you already own one, I believe. I own one and it is a decorative candle for me because I'm about to open it, but it's just in such I know the packaging a beautiful is, package. I don't know what's better, the packaging or the scent. I'm using it wonderful. as a holiday decoration. So cool. I'll get to the candle eventually, everyone. Well, but it's wonderful because with Times and their Fraser Fur, not only do they carry the candles, but they also make it in the scent in the diffuser, in soap, the hand lotion, the um, the hand soap. It's just a great line and a great scent. So, Janine, how can everyone out there get their hands on your hand and body and even pajama products? Well, we'd be more than happy to see you in our shop. We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson Village. You could always call us to place an order. We're happy to ship to you. Our phone number is 631-509-1424. You can place an order on our website, soapboxny.com. And you could also find us on Instagram or TikTok at the soapboxny. So many options. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for all of you out there to just enjoy what I love so much about the Soapbox NY. So with yeah, that, thank you so much. Happy winter, everyone. I think Justin, um, like thinking back to how I would have been in Justin's headspace and mm -hmm. everyone here knows, like I did have older lovers mm -hmm. when I... Uh, was 17 to 18. So mm -hmm. 
you know, I thought I was making that decision. Now, were they trying to use me for certain, um, like use me in terms of shaping me? Probably. Um, I think that though, Justin is ruthless in continuing to pursue Brian. Mm. Um, but I agree with you. Like, I think he sees Justin's age, like his naiveness, even that Justin doesn't know how to make a salad, like which was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. It's endearing, even though Brian vocally says uh, he can't stand Justin's um, actions and pers his personality. Like you're starting to see the layers of Brian really um, heal back. And we are getting, I think this episode eight is the turning point. It really mm. feels like something has changed in their relationship. Well, yeah, people don't get that hardened shell, that protective nature, that those walls up for no reason. And so, Brian, I don't even think it's about. It could have been anybody, but it happens to be Justin in this situation that is like, you know, when I think this is in so many different ways, not even relationships, but when you're sort of jaded in, in whatever that it is, in this case, Brian, within the way he dates and carries himself out uh, in his conquests on the show, um, he's so hard. He's so rigid. He's so jaded. Yeah. And when we all go through these moments of being jaded for, for whatever reason, once we see that charm in someone else, it just really opens us up to like, look at how life could be if we're not as guarded. And that's really what the beauty of this show is. And I have not watched all of the uh, original Russell T Davies um, version, um, but I believe it had a lot of that heart as well in that version too. Uh, can I get your thoughts of the reboot? I mentioned the reboot a little bit earlier. Uh, did you watch it and did you like it or? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I'm okay. Watch it. I'm waiting until after I finish this first season and then okay. um, maybe doing a special episode on it with like a few of you who've been on the podcast. Oh, that'd like be maybe fun. We'll have like a group just How chat fun. about it because I have heard a lot of mixed reviews, but I really need to go into it with um, an open mind. But I would encourage I, you to go in with an open mind. And yes, we should do a group uh, like a cocktail hour, virtual cocktail, yeah, cocktail hour, hour. talking yeah, about yeah. it. I mean, the problem with it is like, again, I don't know why. I don't know if this is what we were talking about prior to recording, but in general, like why? all uh you know film and and uh, television programming it's just put so much um credibility into like well what do you think twitter it's like that should be of course a nice you know open form of conversation for the fan base but the fan base shouldn't control the show and i think just just if i can here uh yeah i think the new uh the more modern version of queerest folk which again would have been the third uh version of the show i think it was a fine show but that damn social media gives so many like red flags that you can't even enjoy it. So because I watched it to the end, I watched the finale. I was ready for a season two, still holding out for a season two, even though it is canceled. Um, I think if you could take away that there was so much chatter, it's, it's fun to watch. And it's great for like this era. You know what I mean? We had our era. The first Russell T Davies version had their era. 
And yeah. I think it, it's wonderful. But I think about a show like this. Would what like would we have watched this show and loved this show as much? Um, you know, with Brian and Michael and Ted and Emmett and um, you know, everybody, if social media was just like picking it apart every second. Well, like, first of all, social media would be like, why are there a bunch of these white people on the show? And that I issue mean, is there. That issue there, there's an aspect I mean, it's to that. There, yeah. But yeah. well, I will say Brian does flirt with a black man in the uh car shop. Yeah. So yeah. there is a little. I, I mean, think what's I good, say... though, is the nuance in the characters, though. Like, Ted represents oh, so something. Yeah, Ted, like, Ted is just so unique in, in, well, in this group of friends, too. And, and the yeah. lesbian couple. I feel like Lindsay and oh, Melanie yeah. have a lot of... <laughs> um, and Debbie, like, the, the mothers. Oh, I my think gosh, we get a lot so of good. mothers, ner- like, mother narratives that... Again, I think that... Um, like I've said this with other guests, Ronnie, but I think that when identity becomes like, we have to create a show, not because like we want to show a certain narrative, but we need to appease the people. And we're afraid of how they're going to respond when the show comes out. Like, for example, I did an episode for Halloween about American horror story coven and I've rewatched it now and I said, wow, this really was my favorite American Horror Story season because there are so many different um, identities, but the women who are part of the series are bringing their A-game and they all have such an important ensemble. Like, mm. that's what I like about Queer as Folk. It's an ensemble show. Like, it's about the personalities. And for Coven, yes, there is, you know... Uh, black witches, there's white witches, there's um, a witch who has Down syndrome, like, but mm-hmm. they're all captivating. Pose is so captivating. I yeah. think Pose is one of our best LGBTQ shows. Yeah, recently. I go back and rewatch that quite a bit. My favorite episode, I won't say it's like the best uh, ever, but the one that makes me feel so good as a viewer is uh, the um, when they all... It's right after Blanca's um, nail salon <laughs> gets burned down by Patty Lapone. Um, and they need to go, um, I guess they go out to Long Island, yes. Um, oh, the Hamptons. And, uh, the Hamptons, yes. And uh, th- through uh, Electra. That I don't know. I just love every aspect of a capsule episode with these beautiful four trans women on this television show. And the story holds up too. Like it's like the best of all worlds. I just. I every hot summer <laughs> on the hottest day, I'm like, I want to go back and watch that episode. Yeah. 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 Well, and also um, the heart and the humanity of fantasy in that show. Like I really love when they play Stephanie Mills's never knew love like oh, this before. Yeah. And, and um, is it Angelica or. Yeah. Yeah. Angelica, Angelica. Ross is the, is the, is the actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Angelica Ross, when she, um, like comes out of the casket and is like still alive and has that, like what would have happened if she came together with her parents? I think that those are moments that really hit the mark for me. And that's what this show does. It makes you, it it plays around with, and I'm going to get a little literary, but Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote the Scarlet Letter in the 1800s, he had this beautiful way of talking about the romance, which is, it is something both real and imaginary at the same time. 
And that's what I think Queer as Folk is. That's what I think why we love Sex in the City. It's it's both realistic, but imaginary. Like the scenarios are hyper fantasies, but they're also, we feel the nuances of the characters. Like they are yeah. things we could see in everyday life. And I feel like now sometimes they're going into too much fantasy. Like I'm watching the new American Horror Story and it's really starting to f- fall for me. Um, oh, is this the one with, Kim Kardashian? Yeah, and it's not because of her, but the storyline. I watched two episodes and I was going to watch more because I watched the New York, because I'm not American Horror Story uh, viewer, but the first one I really watched was the New York one, which I guess was the most recent besides this one. So Mm -hmm. I'm into it, but uh, I guess it doesn't go anywhere. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know where it's going, but I'm still going (laughs) to watch it because it's Uh, intriguing. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, what I did want to ask you is the controversial question, which is um, shows like and just like that or the new queerest folks. See, I don't know about the new queerest folks, so it's going to be your hot take. Mm-hmm. But so many new shows. Um, I mean, there's such a plethora of shows to watch first. Like mm-hmm. there's so much to consume. But then we do get a fan favorite show, right? Shit's Creek during the mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, like right now, I'm trying to think what's a show like everyone said, okay, you have to um you have to watch it. Like this is required. Oh, Euphoria. I would um, say the White Lotus season two was really oh, wonderful. White Lotus season two. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um but, I, Gilded Age, I'm loving. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Gilded Age. I can't wait yeah. to watch the new season. Um, exactly. But what I think is good about those shows is they're messy. Like they are. Um, the characters put their foot in their mouth. Like they are going to step in it. And oh, I, a show like, and just like that doesn't do it. Like I feel, and just like that is really trying to teach a lesson, but you can tell they're really trying to mm-hmm. um, educate who they think their audience <laughs> is. And I'm yeah. thinking we actually know more than you're at, you're telling us. Like we don't need all of this spoon fed to us. Yeah. Um, but there were moments in the new one just like that where I thought, okay, this feels fresh. Like this feels um, relatable. Mm-hmm. You're taking chances. I thought that it really hit its mark when um, uh, when Carrie was, um, maybe not Carrie. I was actually thinking that Miranda was starting to like hit more of a mark when she, uh, left Che. I'm like, okay, Miranda's now finding herself. Okay, this is mm. good. Um, and also, who is the comedian? Oh my goodness, he's I love oh, following uh, Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee. The oh, one yeah. who worked well, with Carrie. Bobby Lee's good. I'm thinking of the gay best friend of Charlotte. Oh, Mario Cantone. Yeah, Mario Cantone. He yeah. had great moments. Yeah. Um, I, I, that would be my one quick pushback. Uh, not pushback, but like, I feel yeah. like we need more from him. We need more from him. We like, oh, we I really like, yeah. Anyways, but I think everyone would love to see more Anthony. I think his character is, yeah, Anthony. But I think they're still putting him in that gay best friend stereotype role, which, okay. But a question I have for you, like, as we're wrapping up, Ronnie, which this has been a great discussion, you did not disappoint, oh. so you had no reason <laughs> to feel nervous. Is <laughs> do you think that, like, because you are such a huge Real Housewives fan, 
women are always talked about as gossiping. These mm. men are gossiping way as much as women. I mean, how about that gym scene? I thought that was so comical. Oh, I loved the gym scene. Like they yes. go from one exercise to another, like they're gossiping on the spin bike. They're gossiping on the rowing machine. They're gossiping with lifting weights. And I, <laughs> I did think, you know what, men, because I do this too. We gossip all the time, but it's always centered around activities. And maybe it's because where we gossip is um, centered on, um, I don't know, centered on um, activities that are outside of the house. Like women, when they're gossiping, it's at brunch or they're having mm. coffee. Like, is that yeah. the distinction of what we say is gossiping is where it takes place? Well, maybe for gay men, uh, queer people in general, maybe it's like the gossiping spaces are wherever you find as a safe space to you. You know, mm -hmm. where is that is the question. But also, I mean, it almost feels like don't straight men gossip all the time about the damn football. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. just just chatty patties all day, every day. So I feel like to a degree it, it was a, a women got shortchanged for that narrative of like they are so gossipy or or what was the term like well men you know they're the type that like you know they they have their issue and two days later they're over it i'm like are you really that resentment that you're holding are you really over it like you know but it was just something that was fed and perpetuated and you know within the stereotypes you know we see it on tv and film so you start to kind of believe that's the thing that's the power as you know from you know uh film and television and, and all of the different mediums that you know they do tell a story and after a while you sort of buy into it in a little bit of a way yeah yeah well it's um oh what did they call that something bias um uh like when it's in marketing people mm. think if it continues to be in a publicity campaign that um like it's not consumer bias, but mm. uh, basically you're just verifying what someone's unconditional bias is. They're like, oh yeah, of course, women are the nags and the men get right. over things and the men don't have as much drama, right? Like we, I still hear that yeah. from some straight guys. They're like, women have so much drama. You must be so lucky, Andrew, to be gay. It's funny now because like men will <laughs> actually compliment me being gay by saying that I have less drama because I'm with another guy. And I'm like, if you only knew. Yeah. Like, not my boyfriend. That... I mean, my boyfriend and I, we have a good relationship. But, <laughs> you know, we all have drama. Like, we all have to work through conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, every group that you're looking at, there's just so much more nuance that sometimes wasn't always being seen. So I think as people, we all got to work towards you know, accepting that and like, you know, allowing for more nuance to be while at the same time, because I think you made a really great point. It was something along the lines of like, like, the, or was it when we were talking about Emmett, like on some yeah. level, you want to contrast what is just a stereotype or just a Mario Cantone, Anthony, and just like that mm -hmm. best friend. But on other hands, on the other side of the coin, you're like, no, like, like rock out <laughs> with your C-O-C-K out. I don't know if we could use vulgar language here. Oh, yeah. So it's, you can it's, say whatever you want. It's so complex. Like, that's what I think. Like, I don't know, like over 40 years old now. I know I look good, but still over 40 years old. It's like that's the one thing that I'm like. I used to always be so like <laughs> the bitter bitch that I was. 
this is what it is. And so like almost like polarizing in that way. And I still have a lot of that in me for sure. I'm always going to stand on what I believe, but like some stuff just can't really come to an easy answer because it is a little complicated. Like the Anthony character you said for, and just like that, do we want to see more of him? And if we do, are we okay with just like more of his sassy ass one-liners, boom, boom, and boom. Like, I think we would be okay with that because that's so much of who he is too. But like when you get, uh, brought down to only being that that's where we have an issue um and so yeah i mean i know it's the cliche comment but it is so true representation matters (laughs) like i just yeah yeah that's the one that like when people shun that i'm like no but it really does like it really really does oh i was thinking confirmation bias that's what it is Ah, um the psychological term but group think it's type of group thing so like one of my final points is just I think what you're showing me, Ronnie, like each of you who I get to have the pleasure to dissect and, you know, everyone I've had on so far are queer men, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have queer women on and I'm excited Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. that. I might even have, I definitely want to have like someone who's straight who wants to watch the show just to see their perspective. But I do think that you're now having me think about male relationships in the sense of maybe when we think about even gossip and drama, the you know you saying men going after like going against each other with sports <laughs> i do think yeah. with men sometimes there is more of a need to have an icebreaker to get to mm. their emotions like is the oh, sport wow. a way for them to enter into complexity with their friends because they're all gathered around a similar topic that they can then use as an outlet for them to really open up with each other and be vulnerable wow this is why this show is good because you know what i thought of immediately brian though he's as big and like you said he's out in the workplace this this and this he's also so reserved in terms of like real authentic emotion so on that level that is very much the side of him you know in terms of his 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 manhood that like like you gotta wonder like there's the push and pull with that like yeah like even though again fierce as all can be but like certain but reserved of- no you're right yeah that yeah. is so so interesting. except at the end right when he hears mm-hmm. that justin's father will not never see justin as who he is that's when he's yeah. like are you coming with me justin and i have to say that final scene between them gave me so much like butterflies it was just such a beautiful brian brian does love domesticity like you can tell he really is starting to fall for justin even though he (laughs) wants to um reject those feelings of needing a man in his life like yeah you know he's starting to become a puppy dog um like i said i love the connection you have with anyone who is embarking on their experience you know um because once you uh, again you get jaded in all these ways you like forget the purity and the excitement of what life could bring and so like i think we all relate to that it's not really like a brian and a justin thing it's like when you're around somebody that can make you feel that you're like wow this person's got the whole their whole life ahead of them they haven't really like put up their wall their, their guards and their walls yet it's 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 kind of amazing and this show really does display that quite well you know Imagine that 
you're riding the Turner Classic Movie Great Movie Ride in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the Great Movie Ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz, where all of a sudden you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkinland in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, that's the memory I have with the Great Movie Ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly, the list can go on and on and on. So follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queer as Folk podcast, where I'm re-watching every episode of Queer as Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi-weekly. So make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash, where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Enjoy. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. It. It really does. And, um, and, you, and you said it. Continue Debbie, to impress me. Debbie yeah. is just phenomenal. Even that's uh, Debbie's brother, right? Uh, Uncle Vic? Yeah. Yeah, Uncle Vic is Debbie's brother. I mean, even that is just, you know, it, I, you know, I always love, I always say, speaking back of representation, I love to see older characters mm -hmm. on television in a very full way. And um, so even that, like, I really... Yeah, I mean, it's not like I had tears when I was watching the episode, but I definitely was feeling a lot of feelings, you know? Yeah, Some and I choice. thought that even Debbie blaming Brian for provoking Justin's father, like, I'll let that sit with everyone, because I thought that was interesting that she's not necessarily Brian's cheerleader. Uh, mm. So um, <laughs> I think that, um, 
you know, Debbie is also all of those who are trying to protect Justin. It's interesting to see how um, they're mentoring him. Like, I think each of the characters is mentoring. I mean, Melanie and Lindsay taking him in. Like, mm. he, everyone is trying to mentor Justin in different ways. But I am curious, what's going to happen when Justin actually um, takes the bull by the horns and says, no, this is who I am. And right. kind of rejects. Well, in in, in many ways, I think we sometimes have that duty to show up for people. It's very much, you mentioned Pose and, you know, Blanca being under Electra and those, those fantastic flashbacks uh, when, when Blanca was with the shake and go uh, <laughs> situation. And then she really became Blanca and then she had her house. Like it's yeah. just something you want to do because, you know, if it was another situation where all the opportunity in the world was available to you, you may not think that. You might not even understand yeah. that that's a thing to look out well, for. Yeah. And isn't that the push in the pool, Ronnie, of being part of the LGBTQ community? In my opinion, it's like you want to be part of any community. Like if you're mm -hmm. part of a community, you also have to balance your own individuality. And it's not an easy answer. Like, yeah, you know, you still want your voice, even though you're going to start conforming to others ideas in the community. So I have a question for you as we wrap yeah. if, if it's okay. So like, how do you personally kind of in the vein of what I was just saying, how do you show up when like, do you have that little bit of bias? Um, I guess I'll just go off like public figures. So there's all these public figures now and there are so many people. It's so ravishing now in terms of what is out there representation wise. Mm hmm. When someone, a young actor, a young queer actor, missteps, what side of the coin do you take on that? Do you take a, I'm going to kind of always show support because there's not a lot of support out there to begin with? Or if you do do that, do you end up being too, like, do you end up giving your community a pass? Mm -hmm. I know that was like, not really just like a, just a question. It was a very like... <laughs> put together but it's something that i always wonder like do i hold down that like like lord forbid but you know if you ever made you know a misstep like do i say i gotta hold them accountable like a thousand percent because you know i can't just be blind or do i say but this is a a, a wonderful young man in the community doing wonderful things he took one misstep i know that the opportunities aren't always as available as others let's let's like let's have that grace well, with okay. missteps in general, I tend to not weigh in. Like, I tend to just wait <laughs> to see. <laughs> That's um, like, even with, uh, it's going to be unpopular, but the court of public opinion around Britney Spears, even though I want her fully to be liberated in her own life, I also mm -hmm. think that um, we could have, people quickly uh grouped themselves around a chant without necessarily knowing what they were articulating like what does free britney mean when we none of us are going to know the behind the scenes and what kind of help is she, who's advocating for her mm. like that's where i'm more curious who's who's stepping up for that who's helping that person who clearly does need guidance and um I think when we start to operate under the court of public opinion, um, 
I never like mob rule and I never like mob opinions. But like you asked about if a queer person stepped out of line. I guess one example to, in my mind comes, someone who comes to my mind is Todrick Hall. Mm, and That's a great example, yeah. And I really like his music. I like his individuality, his artistic expression. Um, and I never really understood why people were really... Like they're like he's a villain on Big Brother, and I'm thinking he's on <laughs> reality TV, like yeah. um, playing a game. I mean, you think that we have to be genuine on Big Brother, but again, was that because he's an easy target because he is a queer black man? Were people as outraged when Richard Hatch on Survivor was the villain? I mean, actually, he is gay too, but. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah. were people as outraged when, um, I'm just trying to think of an example, were they outraged? Well, um, you said, uh, we. I think we talked earlier, Jax Taylor, you know, yeah, wonderful villain-esque reality star. But like, yeah, like, yeah, and people are mad for sure. But it is sometimes like certain, certain situations get judged way harsher. He's such a wonderful example. Um I remember seeing one his his show like uh, straight out of Oz I think it was called and it was fantastic. Oh yeah, that he's album's so, incredible. He is so, right, isn't it actually really good? He's so talented, but he definitely does jump out the window sometimes. And so you're put in a situation where you're like, do you hold like this blind support because you're like, oh, this is somebody within the community, or do you, or should you be like, you know? No, he needs to be very much held accountable. I don't know. I feel like sometimes I think there is room for the nuance. For sure, we keep talking about nuance. But the grace, I feel like sometimes when you look at the big picture and you're like, oh, this person misstepped. But it's like, damn, I mean, there's enough challenges do I need to pile on? And you're right. Uh, the public um, mob mentality is so, so difficult. Like, well, I don't even know why people weigh in on things all the time. Like, get Like, get a life. So, okay. On that note. This is great. <laughs> a good queerest folk meets reality TV discussion, Ronnie. So mm -hmm. how can everyone follow you? You know, how can they listen to you? All of those things. Yeah, most everything is uh, located centrally through randomlyronniejr.com. If you're on Patreon, do the keyword randomlyronniejr. If you're on YouTube, the keyword randomlyronniejr. Um, and of course, uh, when you're like searching like YouTube or TikTok or whatever, the hashtag that I usually use is hashtag randomly with Ronnie Jr. Um, I'm somebody who came up in the, you know, I don't want to say early, but like 2002 was a long time. And that's when I started in radio and, and cut my teeth and honed my craft or whatnot. And navigating in the social media landscape has been absolutely challenging AF. Um, it, it doesn't feed me spiritually. It doesn't make me happy in a lot of ways, but it is needed. I know a lot of times I'm just like overwhelmed with it. So I don't get to really succeed on that level in the vein of like, if you were to post 9,000 things <laughs> all day, every day. So with that being said, if you do like anything that we did talk about, I'd 1000% appreciate you showing support to those platforms because um, I, when I started and I, again, I've had little TV appearances, TLC Network, Fuse TV, American Latino TV, segment produced at American Latino TV, worked at Complex Media, worked a podcast that I produced at VH1, like uh, radio in New York, radio in LA, like all these things. I never thought it would be this hard in this social media space. 
and a lot of people are just like zooming past me. So I um I have a challenge with that. So yes, if you liked any of the nonsense <laughs> that we said today, your support would be um it'd be cool, man. It would be really yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, not only are they zooming past you, but they're buying followers. Okay. And on that note, because they are <laughs> most people who have I always say don't look at the follower count because yeah. it's very artificial. Well, um, listen, and and the last thing. In the long run, this is this is why I took a connection to the work that you're doing. In the long run, yes, like I still to this day, I remember when it happened, when people started saying, oh, not to me because it never happened, but congratulations, you went viral. I never understood that we were giving a congratulations for going viral. You know, eating Tide Pods got you viral at one point. Like going viral should never have been the thing. Now your work being amplified for sure. But once it turned, because again, I've been in this business for a long time. Once it turned to viral was the congratulations. I was like, do I even want to do this anymore? So with that being said, when I do do this, <laughs> do do, when I do do this, I want to do it where like, it's going to feed me emotionally and you take it on this show that is so easy to watch. It's fun to watch highs and lows. Debbie's amazing. Yeah. But then to recap it and go deep into the series, challenging AF, but also the takeaway is so amazing. So that's who I'd like to connect with is people who are on that same page. Yeah. Well, and we're all finding each other. So, you know, that's what <laughs> brings me hope in social media, but also that we're all engaging with each other. The engagement yeah. is what gets us through and blocking out <laughs> the vi virality of the white <laughs> noise. Okay, well, thank you so much, Ronnie. This has no been problem. wonderful. And yeah. see everyone else back in the Queerest Folk space soon. Yes. <laughs> Bye.